Hey everyone, it's Android Dev Podcast episode number six, and we are here talking about Android Dev Summit that just happened in uh, sunny California, and uh, we got back to our houses. I got back to San Mateo <laughs> near, <laughs> uh, in the same in California, and Ash got back to Berlin, and we found the uh, Florina, and she's make it pleasure for us to speak with us and go over all announcements that was made uh, during the summit. And let's do that. Hey, hey everyone. Hey. Hey. And I got back oh, to London yeah, as yeah. well. Oh yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so the fun fact about now. Uh, it is 1 a.m. in uh, California and I'm in a gym because this is the only place that I found open in my apartment building in the in that time. <laughs> yeah. So after the podcast, you'll directly go yeah. to training. This is the best time to do training when no, no one else out there. Definitely. <laughs> If you have the willpower to do it. Yeah. So let's go... T- Let's go over announcements. And the first thing that was like the main wording during the summit, it was a modern Android development by Google. Uh, Florin, do you, can you explain to listeners what is it like about? Is it like set of advices, set of advice that is applicable for us as developers and especially for those who just started? Or what is that? I think it's in general a set of um, of of recommendations. So, for example, now um, uh, we are opinionated. We started with a with a guide to uh, app architecture, I think, two years ago. But now we're starting to be more and more opinionated. So, for example, this year at uh, ADS, we also talked about uh, an opinionated guide to dependency injection. But then uh, also we're trying to. Uh, make Android development uh, easier. So, for example, using Kotlin as the preferred language for development. Uh, and then also with uh, the introduction of uh, libraries like Compose, uh, we again hope to accelerate the UI development on, on Android. And in general, like modern Android development also means uh, powerful tools um, and intuitive Kotlin APIs. Yeah. And I think that's great because uh, we need, especially for those who just started doing Android, they need some guidance because now Android ecosystem, Android development ecosystem is so big and it's so hard to navigate all around all the different approaches and some kind of guidance is great to have. It's a really good position actually, I think, because um, when it started off it was more about flexibility and uh, allowing vendors and OEMs to kind of come up with their own sort of tweaks and things. and. Uh, and now, you know, developers have been after sort of this opinionated guide for some time, and it's really nice to have this uh, like idea of what what architecture looks like from you know the people who who made these libraries. Also, I think uh, it's a great uh, acronym. <laughs> We're all going mad. <laughs> Uh, but I'm hoping that the flexibility is something that you still have. I mean, at least for me, this is something that has been keeping me in Android for mm-hmm. all these years, because I feel like you can really do anything you want with Android, like no matter how, I don't know, crazy ideas your designers have uh, or crazy features your product team uh, um, suggests. That's something that you can usually build on Android. Or your designers. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I mean, I think it, uh, none of these APIs are um, sort of private. I think uh, it's a point that Ian always tries to drive home. Uh, that's, 
you know, the, these opinionated um, implementations are, are, are just that, they're implementations, and it's up to you to choose how, uh, how well that fits in with your project and how you can include it. So before we start going through the announcement related to Jetpack and Kotlin that is part of the mo- <laughs> this approach and this advice, uh, let's go over the Android Studio 4.0 that was just announced with Canary One and already available for download. And there's so many cool stuff. The first one, uh, it's not only about Kotlin, it's about supporting Java 8 la- language features in a previous uh, platform, so it's kind of desugaring uh, the features that are available for uh, language Java language 8, like uh, data, working with the data, with the time classes, working uh, with the... Uh, what else? Uh, there is also a localization support, better localization support, and Streams API that's avail- now available for those who's writing Java f- and compiling it to Java 7 that is avail- that is working on regular Android devices. Uh, but it's not only about Java, it's also about Kotlin, and now we have a full support of KTS uh, Kotlin script files. Uh, what does it mean, full support? Uh, I, I, I can I can add some notes about that. So, uh, as far as I understand, this is all about uh, uh, code completion from ID and uh, about uh, giving documentation because now we can configure Gradle with the Kotlin and it's you don't have to learn Groovy for that and Kotlin have auto completion and it's better when you trying to write your tasks or extensions f- or just configuration for Gradle files. And uh, if we talk about Kotlin support, there's also Kotlin live templates that helps kind of like you write a log something like short word and after completion will add like all parameters of your method in a, uh, and expand to the long string uh, of and helping you to log everything or some other. There is a huge uh, list of different uh, live templates and it's available in Android Studio. Oh, I, f- I forgot to mention it as well, actually. Um, in regards to the Java 8 language desugaring, this isn't uh, just applicable for Java, this is actually for Kotlin oh, wow. as well. Uh, because if, if you're compiling Kotlin down with a JVM, then it's still having to use uh, this kind of Java-generated code. So if you're running it on Android for a platform where it's using um, something that doesn't exist yet, uh, it still has to be kind of desugared, so you can target your Kotlin JVM to uh, using 1.8 or otherwise. Oh. So it does still have implications there. Yeah, and talking about build, uh, the next amazing thing, because I'm sure people claim a lot all the time the build speed isn't great, and they saying it is because of, like, I don't know, something wrong with the Gradle or something wrong with Android Studio itself, but the build profiler that's mm-hmm. now built in in Android Studio showing to people that it's not always the case. Sometimes it's just because of the wrong configuration and now it's way much easier to debug and look at the root cause to find something wrong with a configuration or a plugin or task or uh, some annotation processor that is part of the configuration of the build. And this helping a lot to understand the, wh- why the build is slow. Yeah, I think there we were always going by assumptions, like we knew that, hey, annotation processors are slow, so then we just assumed that, hey, probably that's why my build takes longer, so I think this is, I know, this is one of the things that I'm really excited about in, in yeah, 4.0. And I was so happy to see that there's even some kind of advices, advice saying, oh, your... Um, 
your task is not parallel please check can you make it parallel or your configuration is not oh, your part of the configuration is not incremental please double check with the developer of that uh, plugin to make it incre incremental yeah Mm -hmm. uh, but build is not one part is the one part of the f development flow flow another part is UI user facing stuff and when we doing UI there's some nice things that added to Android Studio uh, for layout editor uh, there's a custom view classes preview so now when you write in your custom view you can see preview immediately in the right hand side and configure that uh, like see how it how your changes in on draw method is reflecting to like how it looks like and this is happening not just because there's like some additional tweak but because the render engine of the preview itself was rewritten and now it's the same as inside the real android framework so basically it looks the same as in your emulator because it's using skia the same way as it's using on device I think actually, was... I found this. Sorry, sorry. One of the the coolest uh, updates actually to Android Studio, just like the fact that you don't need to just run the device every time to every time you make a change, but you can actually trust the preview. Uh, I found this really, really mm. uh, yeah, a really good improvement. That's true. And also about layout, there's a new layout inspector. Uh, that and then layout inspector there's such a cool feature at least for me when you have a lot of hierarchies of different resources and it's try to find out what's the source of the color or what's the source of the this image where it comes from Is it comes from style of here or it's come from the theme uh, and now the, there's a debug tool that helping you to find the initial source of that information I yeah, so really we've cool. been speaking, sorry, uh, actually a lot on um, both uh, when talk about text, but also in general about the themes and styles and like trying to understand, hey, where this color is actually coming from and being able to see this easier with the layout inspector. It makes me feel like, hey, the, the talks that we've given maybe are not needed that much, <laughs> which makes me happy and sad in the same time. Just new things to talk about. Yeah, and yeah. back in my like my early ages at Android development, there was a, such a cool library called Scalpel that basically create developer menu that let you to split your mm. views to the 3D slices to see how what's your hierarchy of the views on the device. But now in Layout Inspector, you can do the same uh, with uh, your uh, fetch it from device view and see the layers of your uh, what's happening during on draw and uh, like basically make a 3D preview of different layers of your app. And this is kind of cool. It kind of reminds me of the uh, layout inspector that you'd have. Sorry, the uh, the uh, Chrome oh, tools yeah. you'd have inside right. of Chrome, where you could inspect a layout and you could uh, you know see which CSS rules are being applied and where the where they're coming from, and the the three D explode kind of thing that was demonstrated during the, the talk was was pretty cool as well. Like uh, seeing all these different layers and how they um, impose on each other, and you can see where you have um, overdraw and you can improve your um, performance times on that. That was really yeah. cool. Um, I'm sure people who like visual effects also gonna like new motion layout <laughs> editor because it's part of the constraint layout, uh, constraint layout 2, and now it's in the beta or even release candidate. I forgot. 
but it's closer to release and now it's built in in Android Studio and everyone can play with the motion layout editor that is super powerful to create different transitions from one scene of constraints to another with keyframes and animations from one state to another. It's on the release yeah, actually, train. Actually, I think, yeah, it gives you so much power that I'm really curious what kind of things uh, developers will end up creating with Motion Land. <laughs> yeah, uh, but hope it, as Tor said on the presentation, it's not gonna become some kind of web from early ages <laughs> and everything moving <laughs> like crazy all around the screen. <laughs> yeah, so people should be careful with the animations because we don't need to overwhelm our users. Uh, and to make everything great with UI, there is a Compose initiative. Uh, Florian, can you elaborate more about that? Because you gave a talk about that. Uh, yeah, I did a collab actually. Yeah, so um, internal like we announced now that we have Compose in developer preview. So this means that this is the time to try it out and give us feedback. We're still in early development. I think there are a lot of questions that we still need to answer. Um, but I think now is the time to actually get these questions also from developers. So in general, um, Compose, um, let's say what we want to do with Compose is just to simplify UI development on Android. Um, so we released a tutorial to, uh, to quickly go, uh, learn, uh, teach you how to use uh, Compose. Um, so there you can play around already with uh, things like uh, text and styling a bit of, of text, creating some buttons. Um, but we also have a code lab. And then this is what uh, what you're mentioning. Um, can we add in, in the show yep, notes yep, all of the links to the tutorial mm -hmm. and the code lab? Uh, yeah, so what I like is that it's it's different. It's a different way of thinking because uh, now we're we have a declarative UI. So this means that you're no longer you know just getting and setting your uh, um, I don't know your data to the views to the text view, let's say, but rather you're creating a sort of a state for your UI, and then uh, that state ends up uh, uh, being set <coughs> to your to your views. And then if something changes, then uh, Compose will make sure that the recomposition is triggered only on that part of your state that actually changed. Um, and then, of course, I don't... Tooling is really important. Um, so having things like um, Compose Light Preview and Code Completion felt quite normal or normal to have um, so check those out as well uh, and also we worked on a compose uh, sample so what you'll see there uh, we call the app uh, jet news uh, so it shows you uh, articles on Android uh, so if you imagine of like an, an application that has like a UI domain data layer and so on what we try to do is like slice this uh, app and then just show the UI layer because this is the compose part. So the app is like static right now, just shows static text. But uh, I think it covers uh, pretty much the main um, compose widgets. So you'll be able to play around with uh, uh, different types of like buttons and text, uh, a lot of text styling there um, and tabs and checkboxes and it looks I, don't, I really like how it looks, uh, but what do you what do you guys think? How what was the first feeling of 
uh, on Compose. It's really interesting to, to observe actually um, and see where this is going because we're seeing this kind of concept in a few other places, I mean, most notably Flutter, uh, with this kind of mechanism of composable hierarchy or composable view layout. And it's really interesting uh, to sort of move towards, you know, a language that can support this with a, a DSL type syntax, uh, such as Kotlin, um, you know, moving away from the XML and having this sort of observable uh, mechanism to update your state and having, you know, these, these paradigms that we love using, um, but now with a, lay, a layer hierarchy that can kind of reflect that is, is really interesting. Um, Personally, I've been waiting off a little bit just to get my hands dirty uh, until at least there was a, a canary preview. So I'm, I'm really happy that the uh, version four uh, came with this. So I'm gonna get. Yeah, I really it. like how uh, Leland also had a talk on compose, going a bit more in the like nitty gritty. Uh, and I really like how he put it like that. There's this overload of like thinking when you're switching between code and XML, but now because everything is in Kotlin, then you don't need to do that switch. Mm -hmm. And I think. If you've been developing with Android for a while, then it feels like, hey, but it's so normal to switch between one and the other. Uh, but I still think that there was that, you know, delay that we we had. Uh, and hopefully Compose will make this better. Just, yeah, because also because it's in yeah. Kotlin. And I'm so excited that this is available for us in a developer preview. Because, like, imagine what if Android will be available for us in developer preview and we can say to the developers from community side, hey, we're feeling like async task is not the best idea to do, or for example, fragments, <laughs> like, oh, the fragments can be better, and all the stuff. And now it's all in your hands to provide the feedback as early as possible and make uh, the tool as much better for your use cases as it can. Yeah, exactly. So uh, in general, like everything we're developing uh, for for Jetpack in general and Compose as well, since it's part of Jetpack, is uh, in open source. Um, but uh, what we want, especially for Compose, is to get feedback. Um, and that's, yeah, as you said, that's the main reason why we have it already out in mm -hmm. developer preview. Um, I, I'm very especially curious, or I, for one, I'm especially curious about different use cases and things that we, we haven't thought of, like hey, this API should also allow me to do this or that. Uh, yeah, we've been using it, we've been creating actually sample apps here um, just to play around with the APIs and see how how things look and how do, we, do the APIs feel natural to work with and so on. Uh, but I'm curious to see what other use cases uh, so developers Florian, have. So what if someone, some of our listeners have some feedback, how, how they can provide it? What is the best source? Uh, I would say the official issue tracker. We can add a link mm -hmm. to that as well, yeah. and just create a bug on um, uh, on the compose component. And there's the uh, Slack channel as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, <coughs> on Kotlin Lang, uh, we have um, a compose Slack channel. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm sure in the future we're definitely gonna make an episode all about compose and discuss more. Maybe after some new announcements, <laughs> some new releases, and definitely we're gonna do that. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm so excited again about that. So let's see how it goes. And uh, for me, the number one feature for Compose is immutability of the widgets because when you're trying to apply some kind of Redux-like unidirectional data flow, it's just kind of painful when the, with the current current uh, widgets or views of Android that keeps state inside itself. So having something immutable helping a lot. 
Yeah, and also a lot of rumors, not the rumors, but assumptions that it can help with the server-driven UI because every company, every big company trying, and even middle-sized companies trying to push UI from the server as soon as possible without waiting for Google Play to roll out to the users and having some kind of mechanism that helps to render that widgets in a declarative way definitely should help to grow an amount of um, frameworks that helps to render straight from the some kind of server-driven uh, representation. If someone tries this, tries this out, please send me the the link to the <laughs> GitHub project. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to really try it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's do the next changes. And uh, the last thing change that is not was not useful for me before we go to the Jetpack was the emulator. And this is the tool that I'm using day by every day. Mm. And uh, for me as developer to app related to location, the this feature was super excited. Now, when you wanna emulate the location changes of your user, dynamic location changes, you can open just the Google map and build route from point A to point B and set the speed and location will be changing right on the real life roads, uh, not just the linear direction and uh, the emulator will change that location coordinates. Uh, this is the f- number one. The number two, it's gonna be embedded in Android Studio 4.0, so it feels like it's a layout preview, but it's not layout preview, it's a real emulator running inside the Android Studio. Uh, I really like this. Um, I mean, it was only a small, kind of almost cosmetic change, but I think like, the inclusion of this into the studio, into actual layout, um, in the same kind of dock as sort of same window position as, as where your preview is. Uh, it's a really nice touch. Um, you know, little little things. Yeah. I'm strongly nodding here. I and then realizing that on the podcast you can't really see that I'm nodding in agreement. <laughs> yeah, I really like this as well. The fact that now it's embedded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the live resize is helping a lot because when we build an application for Chromebooks, for example, or the new foldable phones, it's great to have such a debug tool to help check how's your app working when user can dynamically change the size of the window of your application. So live resize of emulator is a great tool to debug that. Uh, and as far as the map routes and life resize already available in a latest version of emulator that can be downloaded from any version of Android Studio. And uh, the only thing that is available only for 4.0 is embedded thing into the window of Android Studio. Uh, and I already played with the map routes and it's great. <laughs> so let's go over jetpack changes uh, for the in in map route, yeah. actually, sorry. Can you can you uh, specify whether you're traveling by car, bicycle, or can you change your speed uh, of, of travel? No. You can change the speed, but not providing the way how you're traveling just by changing multiplica- multiplicator of the speed. <laughs> so if you wanted to test your app uh, and see how well it would behave in uh, in an airplane, you'd have to <laughs> just increase the speed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
so let's go over jetpack. Uh, the there was some announcements. It's for, for me, sir. It's hard to understand what was announced before and what is announced just on a Android Dev Summit because there's jetpack evolution uh, evolution is so fast and it's it's kind of hard to follow maybe florina have some advice for us how to follow all the changes of jetpack and see the new features yeah i know like i think right now there are something like 70 jetpack libraries <laughs> including uh including all of the ktx libraries so i know this is a lot um so we have actually a release page that uh, that tells you what's the the latest version for each library. Uh, I think in general, if you're using Kotlin, then just use the KTX version of that library, because um, it's it by default it will just bring also the the core version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also means that it's easier to discover uh, KTX features for that specific library. Um, yeah, and I do know it's a lot, uh, but I'm hoping that that's good. Because we're really unbundling a lot of things from, uh, like, separating a lot of libraries that before they were more together. Um, so I'm hoping that it's overwhelmingly yeah. good. <laughs> from my point of view, yeah, definitely. And uh, we can go over some of them that I found interesting during the announcements. Maybe they was released before. Maybe they just changed the version <laughs> from uh, unstable alpha to more stable release candidate of beta. And the first thing that was discussed yeah. is the view binding. Can you explain for listeners what is the view binding about? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and also, like, I think the... the Catchphrase would be uh, view binding allows you to um, easily write code that interacts with views. So inst- it pretty much replaces find view by ID in most cases. Uh, so whatever you were repl- where you used to use find view by ID, now you can just uh, use view bindings. So you have to enable it module per module. So in Gradle, you'll have to add the, a, a view binding uh, attribute where you say enable equals true. Um, and then uh, once you enable it, then it generates a binding class for each XML uh, layout um, in that module. Okay, so is it... Is it better in performance than uh, Kotlin statics? Or it's like now it's a recommended way to find the views? Um, I would say now it it's the recommended way to, to find views because um, uh, it directly uh, links it to, the, um, uh, to all views that have an ID in that layout. So you already know the type for each of them. Um, I'm not sure about performance. I actually didn't look into that that much. Sorry. I think performance is, is negligible. I mean, um, with, with Kotlin Synthetics, you've got the issue with scope. Yeah. Um, but it's basically just doing like a cached lookup. So, you know, arguably, I think Synthetics might even be really uh, slightly more performant if you really measure it. Um, but given with, I mean, uh, viewbinding still, uh, well, it's a processor, right? It's just, yeah. It's yeah. Late There's zero impact on the uh, mm-hmm. runtime comparing to the static that initializes during the runtime. Mm. So should be faster in terms of creating new views, new fragments, new activities. Yeah, what you need to make sure is that your uh, every view has an ID because if it doesn't have an ID, then uh, it can't be mm-hmm. referenced. 
But this is good practice anyway, just make sure mm -hmm. that the Android is able to retain your state through orientation change for common and simple views and such. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, well, in the end, why is it why is it better than Find View by ID? Uh, well, it gives you no safety and type safety. In a build, yeah. during compile time. And I think... And you... Yeah, yeah. You, you haven't noticed that in the runtime, so you, you you are safe. Yeah, and if you're not sure about performance, you can always use the Jetpack benchmarking library that help you to measure is the your build speed degraded after the last your after your last changes and uh, measure that. Oh, nice tie-in. <laughs> yeah, actually, there was a talk about also integrating benchmarking in your CI. Um, from the from the team that works on benchmarking on the benchmarking library, so check that one yeah. out. Totally, totally, it's great talk. Uh, for me, as a person who's working on identity team, biometric announcements, it's now in a release candidate state, uh, is great because this library wraps up two different uh, sources of user identity, the fingerprint or and the face, because in new pixels now we can authorize uh, in the device with a face recognition API and you don't have to worry are you using the old API from old, like I forgot the name of that a API or the new one so you just use the wrapper all across the different APIs all, all you need is just basically uh, frankly speaking is just like hey API can you check user identity and it's receiving it's sending in a callback like yes that is a trusted user so you can unlock your app uh, and uh, that's yeah. great and talking about the camera there's a camera x updates i'm not sure what exactly changed but the evolution itself of the camera x is excited for me because uh there are so many different apis uh happening in different from different vendors and the camera x is trying to solve and work with them and uh, help to us as developers to have a single source of control over different uh, different types of cameras from different vendors. Biometric and, and camera X both shine really well here. Actually, is that because you, know, you have with biometric you have all these different sources for uh, verification authentication of, of you know your identity. Um, so having this kind of common API where you can say just you know verify uh, if that's the case rather than having to worry, you know, what sensors do you have, what hardware do you have, what uh, do, you, do you have fingerprint sensors, do you have back, uh, do you have a facial recognition? Um, and the same with camera, you know, every camera is going to be slightly different, has slightly different metadata, slightly different uh, exposure and all these different kind of variants. And it's really nice to have this common API that we can just kind of almost forget about these things and, and just worry about, you know, making nice yeah, apps. Yeah, correct. And the security also is a big thing on Android. There's different APIs available in different OS versions, and uh, sometimes people can implement it wrong by themselves. And there was a famous library by Google called Tink, but it's kind of hard to use if you're novice in this field of the technology. And uh, 
Security library, I think, solves that problem by giving you control over key management. You can enroll new keys uh, and send it to your server, or you can encrypt your files, or you even can encrypt your shared preferences, keys and values of shared preferences, and it's all using all working back with a Tink library. So I strongly advise to use that. Um, can I add also a few more yeah, sure. a few other uh, releases? So uh, we have a few libraries actually that went in, in RC and uh, one of them I think it's really interesting is the ViewPager 2 library. Um, I know like developers were asking about this for a while. Um, so ViewPager 2 is a re-implementation of the usual ViewPager, just that now it's using a recycler view under the hood. So in the end you need to work with it as you usually do with a recycler view. You build an adapter and so on. Um, yeah. Uh, and what else do we have there? I think um, the view model safe state is now also in release candidate. Uh, we have uh, room um, 2.2 uh, that hits stable, actually. Um, yeah, I think these are some of the ones that I like best. <laughs> Uh, and for ViewPager 2, by the way, we have a uh, at ADS there was a five minutes uh, session telling you everything you need to know about uh, getting started with ViewPager 2. This is one of the only libraries to take uh, a numerical index in the actual name. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a rewrite, so. <laughs> Recycler page. Insert shrug emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically it's yeah. a view page. It works as a view page, but it's backed by recycler views. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I think naming yeah, there is was hard. S- <laughs> some update <laughs> over the pagination library for recycler view. So there were some sm- small changes on that. If you're using that, you should revisit that. Uh, paging library. Yeah, yeah, paging library. Yeah. Um, mm. So. I think that basically uh, everything that you need to know about Jetpack changes and the Kotlin. Kotlin like was a main major thing across the whole Android Dev Summit. It can be like Android plus Kotlin Dev Summit <laughs> from my point of view. There was a lot of talks that mentioned Kotlin some way and uh, it's not forcing but encouraging people to use Kotlin more and I think that's great because Jetpack is written mostly in Kotlin and there's some nice extensions with the Kotlin and uh, it makes developers more powerful uh, and uh, writing better code in a short time frame so I'm totally up with that and the coroutine expansion is also kind of happening and uh, there was a talk about how to use coroutines with live data by uh, Ethan and Jose yeah so totally advice to watch that and uh, if you feel like you're not still comfortable with the Kotlin that's totally fine and there's a new course actually two courses uh, for new Android like novices in Android development and now you can start learning Android just with Kotlin without like looking back to Java and if you feel like you're already familiar with the basic concepts of Android you can start looking at advanced Android uh, and it's also available on Mm. Udacity and uh, I think that's a great source of knowledge and uh, every every time when I watch in some courses by Google for Android on Udacity I'm impressed by the quality how they made yeah yeah, we're we're happy (laughs) to hear that 
Uh, yeah, it, I'm, we're hoping that no matter your what kind of level you have with uh, with Android development, uh, we can help you get started with Kotlin as as easy as possible. Uh, we've seen how much developers love Kotlin, so then going Kotlin first in Android also feels quite natural. And as you said, like Compose is written in Kotlin, um, so yeah, it's it just becomes a natural part of Android development. I really want to try out one of these courses, actually, but I'm a little bit afraid I won't pass. <laughs> yeah, so for you, there's a certificate, so you can check your <laughs> knowledge and apply for certification. There's a new certification, Associate Android Developer with Kotlin language, with the primary as a language as a Kotlin, not just a Java, as it was before. <laughs> and then speaking of like new... Code labs. Uh, we also have a new collab on dependency injection using Dagger. Uh, we've actually released a guide to dependency injection on Android that actually covers a lot of things on uh, uh, what dependency injection is and how you should do it, and even uh, how you should handle multi-module and dependency mm -hmm. injection. So. I'm hoping that this will actually be of help for a lot of developers. I know it definitely cleared some, you know, confusion I had with uh, with yeah. Dagger. Yeah, there's some common pitfalls in there which which um, are covered in in the code lab as well, it, where it's kind of covering some common things you might get wrong, um, which I quite liked. Uh, and I think, but with with Dagger and DI in general, it, it's a very complex and rich and diverse topic because you've got to cater for so many people's apps and there's all these different kind of mechanisms and um, it's, a, it's a very complicated topic to kind of cover so I think it's a yeah the code lab does a good job of, of demonstrating that yeah what I like about the code lab is that it's really looking at uh, dagger in isolation so without looking at dagger and I don't know all sorts of like different architecture patterns or different libraries but rather hey this is Dagger, this is what a component is, and this is how you should use it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and for me, it was excited on a summit that the Dagger Android was kind of deprecated because Dagger and. No, 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 it wasn't deprecated. <laughs> <laughs> Manuel uh, tweeted a little bit later about this just to clarify that, um, that the library is not being deprecated, nor is it, you know, <laughs> being shelved or end of life or sunsetted um they're just gonna no longer work on features yeah but we like from my point of view it's if you're gonna go to the scale <laughs> and you're gonna have multi-module set up in terms of grid count of gradle modules it's not the best idea to go with the android the dagger android or just with the subcomponents it making your app your graph installation slower and harder to maintain so consider not using that so yeah but anyway current implementation isn't best implementation as it could be i mean dagger android well we just might see some yeah yeah I, future, i'm hope I i've seen some yeah. discussion on the issue tracker of dagger there are going to be some re-implementation for that specific feature yeah yeah, in general, we want to help uh, dependency injection uh, on Android, like just making it easier. So, for example, we already have uh, uh, a few plans to make Dagger and Kotlin work uh, better. So, for example, you will no longer need all of that add fields and qualifier uh, annotation. You could just remove the, add fi uh, the field sorry, part of it. 
Um, and I'm hoping that uh, this will come in one of the next few versions of Dagger, so quite soon. Um, but yeah, in general, I think we have a bigger, longer-term plans with Dagger that um, w- that were covered in the talk. So check that one out as well. I'm giving you a lot of stuff to check out, but I promise that they're all so interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's happening after all. Uh, every announcement and uh, like a kind of that sessions like I.O. or NRDF Summit, you have to open a lot of links and check how they go in. Yeah, totally. On my to-do list is, is uh, really long at the moment. I've got loads of things to read up on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, what else? What else? Uh, there's uh, some updates on scope storage, and actually, if you're not aware what a scope storage is, I think the best source of truth is to check the new Android Developer Backstage episode. I've just listened to it this morning, and uh, it's great explaining the what is a scope storage about and uh, why it's introduced, how it impacts the security of users. Yeah, there's a trade-off that we as developers have to do more manually to. Uh, work with a new access storage framework, but on the other hand, uh, users will be more secure and uh, some malicious apps cannot be able to access the data of the user from the other folders except the folder of the app itself. Uh, so right now the two things that you need to keep in mind the first thing that it's already available for development uh, for Android Q, Android 10 and uh, you can opt in as your application have a target SDK, has a target SDK uh, 29 and play with that and test that it's working fine and from next Android version it's gonna be mandatory so there's no way to skip that we all have to learn how to adopt our applications for that um, yeah and I think the second change the second thing to keep in mind that API is not gonna change too much for the next version so it's a good time to start playing with that yeah, and it's also a good time to start playing with the multi-screen mode and uh, learn about how to support the new foldable phones that is going to be on the market soon, or oh, it's already on the market. Correct me. There are some already yeah, on the market. So, yeah, definitely. The, I'm always saying that the Chrome OS is already there, and I have a Chrome book and I can resize any Android app anytime so it's it's good to have the support of multi window multi applications at the same time and drag and drop mm-hmm. and uh, resizable windows so check that your app is working good and you don't have any crashes from that user cases uh, the, the multi-screen thing is really interesting. I think we could go into it much more, but uh, like it's really cool how you can kind of have contextual um, movement between screens and like kind of kind of continue a task on another screen and have this sort of flow that can be really nicely designed. Yep. And we're almost done. There's a couple of things to discuss, and that's basically it. So, uh, app bundles. For me, it's kind of excited feature. Not the app bundles itself is a kind of great that you can just turn one flag on uh, on a Google Play console and after that it, your app will be stripped all the unnecessary stuff that is not needed for specific devices like uh, resources for other localizations and other screen resolutions and other CPU architectures and it will be just delivered all the code that needed 
and resources for your specific device. But dynamic features is exciting stuff that help you to mm. load part of the app after you after user reach some use case. For example, if your application have some air core feature, but not every user using that, there's no reason to ship it with a main APK and you can save uh, size you can save on size of the APK itself and uh, ship it later as a dynamic feature delivery and there's small updates so first update there is no need no more need you don't no more need to hard code and uh, um, hard code name of activities to start uh, new activities from dynamic features there's a better navigation support for that the second yeah. yeah, maybe can I add a few more details? Like, hey, why, why is this and what's, yeah. what's up with that? So actually, the dynamic features, what I like about them is not just that uh, they decrease the size of your APK, but also that they separate your code. And uh, because uh, I know one module really doesn't know anything about the other module, can't reference it at all. Mm. It really enforces that good separation of concerns. That's the part that I actually like a lot about dynamic features, dynamic feature modules. But the indeed, the downside of this is that you don't know anything about uh, the other modules. Uh, so this means that you can't really do the same, you know, like start activity and then specify which activity should be started because you actually have no idea which activity is there. Mm. And actually what the team has done, um, uh, has launched at ADS is uh, this better navigation across dynamic features. So now with uh, together with the navigation library, um, you can easily uh, navigate from one dynamic feature to another. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. And also, uh, now your dynamic feature can depend not only on the core of your a app, but also can re require to have some other dynamic feature installed. So you can say like, if user reach yeah. point B, it also required to have C installed before. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, like a cascading of dynamic yeah, feature and modules. One of the requested features for dynamic features <laughs> from the this like this tool developers was offline testing, and now you can test offline without Google Play uh, how your features are loaded, and that's everything works okay. well. And if you want to customize your UI while you wait, while user waiting for feature to be installed, there's a new KTX uh, extensions that help you to f follow the updates of the installing state and process the errors and the changes of that state. So, also. I think the offline testing is really cool, a really um, useful part of this since. I mean, I think previously, if you wanted to try and test dynamic features, because you're not actually installing it as an APK, you're, you're just sort of relying upon uh, Google to handle this, this delivery of it. So you're sort of um, testing blind almost, like you have to kind of test in the, in the real world environment before actually going into the real world environment. Yeah, yeah, and talking about modularization, Android itself as a framework is going to be more modularized and uh, in the future of Android, even starting from Android 10, as far as I understand, there's some initiative to help to deliver some parts of the system components after it OS is released. So 
It's basically, for example, if there's something wrong with the fingerprint sensor, it can be updated later or with the other system components. So it's not just about security, but in other parts of the OS. And it was short, briefly discussed on the keynote that it's gonna be more and more updatable in the future releases. And this is called Project Apex, or maybe I'm wrong and heard it wrong, but basically it's the thing related to updating system components independently from OS update itself. This is a continuation of, of uh, projects like Project Travel and working on these things or this other work, something new. Yeah. Yeah. And the, for me, the, the fun talk, like the, with uh, some humor inside it and uh, uh, some nice stuff, it was uh, Android Myth Butters, uh, where uh, some myths were demystified. And uh, like, for example, the people thinking that Android slow. And uh, on during that mm. talk, they provided, uh, speakers provided proof that no, Kotlin isn't impact your performance. But the th one thing to note uh, about this talk, it every changes, every myths was tested on latest pixel on the latest runtime of Android 10. And uh, not every myth is the same, can be demystified using uh, previous Android runtimes. So listeners should be careful about that <laughs> but the thing that was uh, uh, busted uh, uh, that was uh, Kotlin's the code can be slow because of Kotlin because of getters but definitely because of inlining the getters during compile time it's not affecting runtime and also mm -hmm. lambdas usually do not affect at all there was a good discussion about memory allocation. If you have a lot of memory allocation, sometimes mm -hmm. it works to have some predefined container already allocated some space in memory if your object is heavy and you're doing that a lot. But for most cases, like for example, if you're using RxJava, you don't have to worry about allocation some small uh, size uh, objects and uh, mm -hmm. new runtime is pretty good in terms of garbage collection. Uh, and also there was a rumor yeah. that people should should profile can profile apps in debug mode and obviously no never debug profile your performance of the apps in the debug mode first of all uh, proguard it uh, or use r8 to do that and uh, minify it and then use the release build to check the speed and the last thing was uh, multidex but yeah I think one of the one of the big takeaways from this last this talk actually, which is quite funny, I enjoyed it, um, was how much that R8 is doing for you, and um, you know, kind of keep this in mind when you're evaluating your artifacts. Um, that R8 is doing a lot of optimization in and is often uh, Kotlin aware, so it'll do this inlining of of uh, you know uh, JVM static uh, constants which are in your companion update, or it'll do a lot of things like inlining get getters and things. Where you've got this idiomatic Kotlin syntax, which you can still use without the actual performance hit at runtime, because R8 is doing all this clever minification and inlining for you, and this is only going to improve over time as well with with the Android team in, uh, working on this. So I thought that was really cool. Yep, yep. And also uh, the myth that was busted is a multidex. That multidex is not almost have no any impact any impact on your runtime so don't worry about using multidex and 
stop trying to match all your code in just a single DEX. For most cases, there is no impact. If you don't have hundreds of DEXs, in that case, yeah, maybe you have a problem. And you're not using a really, really old API. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically most of the Android Dev Summit. And uh, one of the things from the keynote that we forgot, not forget, but we should mention too, is the Android Developer Challenge. Florian, do you mind to go over that? Yeah. So, well, like 10 years ago, I think, when uh, the, or more actually, when the first Android SDK was released, um, the first Android Developer Challenge was created. So the goal of, of the challenge was to inspire developers to create uh, interesting application for this, what was then this new platform. But now, because we have this modern Android, we wanna we wanna see what developers can create now. So we are bringing back the Android Developer Challenge. Um, so yeah, um, actually the cool part about the challenge is that uh, so the at the first stage the top ten um, projects are selected, and then these uh, top ten winners would get assistance from uh, Google to help create their their projects, which I found pretty interesting. Like. You actually get help to to build your app if it's something interesting. Yeah, yeah. This is a really successful idea the first time I think. So it's, it's nice to see the this coming back. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm always happy to hear and see more examples of using machine learning on the devices because it's a pretty cool topic and I can see it. who's who will win and who will participate in that so it should bring more cool ideas to the Android and make Android user experience even better yeah and I think we can quickly cover the timeline on that one it's, uh, the challenges is open for submissions already um, and then you have until the start of December is that is that right uh, I think so I'm not sure actually I didn't check the timelines for this um, well, let's just say, yeah. <laughs> so until the beginning of December, I think, uh, and then uh, early next year, some of the uh, projects will be announced. Yeah, I think uh, you're, uh, you have to bring your app to life by May 1st, 2020. Oh, pretty much enough time. Yeah, Yeah, I think until the beginning of December, is just oh. just the idea. So you, it doesn't mean you need to build your entire app in one All month. Right. All right. Cool to hear. That's why we have Flutter. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's the main things and we discussed so many stuff so there you have to go to start writing more kotlin enjoy a new jetpack uh, try android studio and obviously try compose uh, so many things to play i can't wait to start so i want to say bye to all of you and go and play with that <laughs> I think, oh, one thing before we go, actually, I'd like to know from both of you, uh, which was your favorite session of, of the summit? Uh, my favorite? I've, I've, unfortunately, I've missed first day, so I'm kind of biased to the second day. Oh, so you missed my session. Oh, oh unforgivable. But you also missed the morning of the second day, so <laughs> no one of us can say what is the favorite session. <laughs> let's, let's, let's just say the keynote was the best. <laughs> I really enjoyed the um, ADB live. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Was awesome. it recorded? 
Yes, it was. They've, they've just published it. Oh, oh, oh. so yeah, we, we had linked to that. So Android developer backstage recorded live. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think for me it would be actually the the Leland's oh, talk yeah. on Compose, like going more in depth. Mm. Uh, yeah, the way it was presented, like yeah. such a complicated topic in an easy to understand and to listen way, I really appreciated that. Yeah, it was quite nice to get the, the get an insight on the on the inner workings of it. Yeah, <laughs> all right. So thanks, awesome. thanks for for taking time and. Having been there, and Ash, always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks Thank for, you for having yeah, me. You're always welcome. Thanks for everything, guys. And thanks, our listeners. See you next episodes. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.